Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. You're welcome. All right, so here's here's what I want to say. Okay. This is, I think, a a it's a unique podcast. Hmm. Here's why. Here's why I think this is a unique podcast. People probably know or have figured out on their own that we do no preparation for these podcasts. None. Correct. Right, we do not. What we will do is you will text me and say something to the effect of, we ought to talk about Ellie De La Cruz, or, right. or let's talk about Tony La Russa, or I'll text you and say, we ought to do a podcast on show A, or whatever. That's it. That's that's mm-hmm. the level of preparation. That is That is what our research department <laughs> puts together for us. <laughs> that is that is that is you know our in the writers room that's what we spend a lot of our time thinking about. This podcast is really special because we go in I have no idea what we're talking about. None. Not okay, even so here, not even a theme, not even a, like even a general thing. I don't here's the thing though. Today we don't need we don't need the minimal <laughs> amount of research that we normally do. I'll tell you why. There's a bunch of things going on. We're 2 weeks away from the trade deadline. Right. Sho- Shohei Otani rumors are floating around. Flying. They're flying. The the New York Yankees just lost two out of three to the worst <laughs> team in the National League. Awesome. Uh, the Reds have come back down to earth a little Ugh. bit after the Ellie De La Cruz. Yes. Uh, and he has, and he has come back down a little bit. He has he, come he, back yeah, down to earth. Yep. The, league, the league was like, oh, wait, what if we throw him a slider? <laughs> what happens then? Uh the Boston Red Sox are the, I think, still the hottest team of the last twenty-five games. They're, they're like super. Set. They're hot enough that they are now tied with the New York Yankees with, in with the, the division, Yankees, which, is, which is so great. <laughs> so, like, there's a lot of baseball stuff. There's to talk baseball about stuff. Here. There's other yeah. that we we can probably talk about. Carlos oh, and Alcaraz. also Carlos Alcaraz. Carlos That's Alcaraz. Another thing. Because was... you're a weird tennis sicko who who uh, has to <laughs> you you're like the Explain lost computer yes. like the lost computer and the numbers that had to be entered every like hundred minutes. Your brain has to write five thousand <laughs> words about tennis every twelve days or you explode. That's the only way that I can possibly explain the number of tennis words that appear in my inbox every week. And uh, and and then also by the way. Uh, the we've got uh, the British Open is we, coming up, the first do. major since the crazy live golf nonsense merger. <laughs> right, we have that. So going the, on. The, I what I'm saying is the topics are very they, evident. They're, they're just out there. there. They're for just us. out there. Yeah. But we don't know what we're talking about. We don't know which one of these things. I guess we'll talk about all of them. We'll go around. Yeah, why not? We'll just go around the world. I want to oh, wait. S- it's a new segment. We got a, it's a new 
a new uh, podcast. It's called the Smorgasbord. <laughs> And it's where we just, there's just a bunch. It's like a buffet. Should we call it the buffet? Let's the call buffet, it a buffet. The buffet. It's a buffet. Today is a buffet episode where it's just, <laughs> there's a bunch of topics and we just slowly take our tray and we move down the line and we grab a little of this one and a little of that right. one. We'll, we'll start We'll start with the salad and then we'll go to the, the meats and the sides. That's right. And it's, 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 it's <laughs> throw some mashed potatoes on there and some pancakes and some bacon and whatever else you got. It's, it's a buffet it's episode. A, it's a full buffet episode episode it's very exciting um i want to start with shohei otani i think we should first Mm -hmm. of all all podcasts including political podcasts including yeah no all as we have said before we should always only be talking about shohei otani (laughs) and the we is like everyone i believe uh, that the president of the united states Either party doesn't matter who the president is bipartisan should end every speech with God bless America and God bless Shohei Otani. God bless Shohei Otani. Of course <laughs> right? he should. Okay. Or she. And or she. and I let me let me just tell you before you before you launch into whatever you're gonna launch into. Yes. I want to uh read to you a text exchange I had with my friend uh, Adam McKay. Adam okay. McKay uh was the head writer at SNL when I was uh, when I worked there, sure, and has since gone on to like be an Oscar-winning gigantic director. Yeah, he's like a he's huge. Look up and, he's huge. Yeah, yeah, he's a huge, 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 uh, great comedy writer. I, I, when people ask me who the who is the funniest person you have ever met in your life, I very frequently say Adam McKay. But not so, always. That's interesting. Not always. Not always. Not always. Sometimes you're is, in a different mood. Sometimes he. Sometimes <laughs> it. Uh, well, I think it's sometimes if it's like for acting or writing or whatever. Oh, There's I different see. answers. I see. But okay. McKay is a frequent answer. Okay. Great. So he so he texted me outside and he said, hey, I have a question for you. If Shohei wants to leave the Angels, can they offer him some piece of team ownership? That was his question. Ah. And so, and so here's what I wrote back to him. I said, uh, first of all, no, I believe that's illegal. Um, they also probably wouldn't on principle, even if it were, because the owners wouldn't want to set that precedent. Right. Um, he also might not want to stay because he's 29 and he wants to win and they'll likely never win as long as Artie Moreno is the owner. Uh, I believe that it's possible to have partial ownership of a team, but it would have to be approved by the commissioner. Also, Otani just homered. <laughs> and and I literally, I was writing the answer to that question while I was watching the Angels-Astros game. It was in the ninth inning. And as I was writing this explanation to my friend Adam about whether or not he could get team ownership <laughs> as a way incentive to stay, he hit his 34th home run of the year yeah. to left center field. And it it was like, I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, this that's the level that this guy is at now is people are like, do you think they could get him to stay if he owned a part of the team? And as I'm explaining why I don't believe the rules of baseball allow that to happen, he hits a home run demonstrating that they should, in fact, offer him part ownership of the team. At, at this point, like, they, they should give him, like, a satchel page, like, 40% of the gate kind of thing, you know, at this yeah. point, just, just do that. Or, or, or pass the hat. They should pass the hat like they did in the Negro Leagues. Just pa- at Angels home games. Just pass a hat through the crowd. Everybody chip in and whatever money we collect will just yeah, go just, to Shohei to get him to stay. Them, <laughs> stuff money through the net, you know, just throw throw dollar bills at the guy. Um all right, so so before I say what I want to say about Shohei Otani, I want to I want to just say this this is not new information. You can access this information if you want. However, it is the most remarkable information uh, imaginable, so I'm just going to say it. 
Sure. At this moment, as we are discussing this, Shohei Otani is hitting 301, 386, 665. He has a 1.051 OPS. High, highest in the league. Highest, highest in, in the league. baseball. He has 34 home runs. He has mm-hmm. 73 uh, RBIs. He has 11 steals, just as a bonus. Mm-hmm. Okay? At this moment, Shohei Otani has thrown 105 innings, struck out 139 batters for <laughs> 11.9 strikeouts per nine. He mm-hmm. His whip is 1.120 because he walks a few people because he has the lowest hits per nine in baseball at 6.2 yeah. at the moment. This is the same person. I'm, I'm the same human being. No, I'm talking about the same person. You're t- all of those things relate to one human being. <laughs> one on Earth. one he, I, human being. And what I love. My favorite thing is, well, my favorite thing, just to put a fine point on that, I believe Sarah Langs uh, tweeted this the other night, is he is both the lead leader, the league leader in home runs and OPS and also the league leader in batting average against. <laughs> That's the same it's, guy. It's nuts. The, the list of things that he leads the Angels in is so funny because he's like he's like i lead him in they leads in average and homers and rbis and runs also in wins and strikeouts it's it's like (laughs) it's the most ridiculous thing innings pitched yeah yeah what's really what's really fun to me about where otani has taken his game is you don't even hear about babe ruth anymore remember for a long time they were like oh babe ruth did that no nobody's come close but here's here's sort of the the point i want to discuss believe we had this conversation a week ago, uh, sort of in passing, where I said I did not think the Angels were going to trade Shohei Otani. We are coming up on the trade deadline, as you mentioned, and it felt to me like whatever they could get for, like I I heard some people talking about, oh, they could completely restock their farm system trading Otani. And I don't think that's true. I don't, I mean, I don't think that for two months of Shohei Otani, that you now, if you get like a team where you where they feel like they have a really good chance of signing him, maybe they'll give you some prospects. They're right. not going to unload the prospect truck at your house for two months of Shohei Otani. I just, I just don't think they will. So I kind of thought like, you know what? It's it's better for them to keep him, uh, keep it for the fans. The fans can come out and see him. He's you know he's he's going to leave at the end of the year. And yes, you're not going to get anything for him or whatever. You'll get draft picks or whatever. I don't even know how they, all that works anymore. I guess they've gotten rid of some of the compensation stuff. But, but you'll get two months of Shohei Otani. And he's yeah. the best show in sports. And next year, I don't care even if you could get some prospects. Next year, you are just a a much darker, unhappier place in, in Anaheim. So, I have two questions. I have two questions. Oh, go ahead. I've finished. Then I have two questions for you. Well, I'm. I, I was just leaning to the point of saying, I've changed my mind. I think they might trade him now. And and the right. reason I think they might trade him is, I don't like the way they're answering the question anymore. Yeah, you know, they're being cagey. They're being real cagey. <laughs> they're they're yeah. kind of like. Well, you know, what are we getting offered? It, you know, it would have to be an out an extraordinary <laughs> offer in order for us to even contemplate. It's a yeah, contemplate, but it's it's like it's uh, not no. You know, it's like it's that there's classic. There's little wisps of smoke coming up, and there, that might mean there's a fire. Yeah, it's that classic I, okay. non-denial denial. You know, it's just like eh, I don't know. My two questions are these: number one, if you had to design from scratch a compensation system. <laughs> Uh, that said, okay, 
and you do it player by player. Right. And Otani did leave. What would the comp what would the proper compensation be for the Angels? <laughs> would it be like twelve consecutive picks at the end of the first round or something yeah, like no, that? No, I think what you would do is you would say, You guys start the season twelve and zero, Like next year <laughs> next year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. Or, or, right. However many war he was projected to have, you just get that many wins. Yeah. Like eleven you get eleven wins. You get eleven wins. Although and somehow the Angels would still finish seventy nine. <laughs> 83 they're 46 and 48 as we talked they're under 500 i just of course oh they're no it's it's tungsten armo doyle that's the (laughs) there's no getting away from it my other question is this so the there is insanely there's no comp for otani ever and throughout history ever 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 but there is a semi-comp for the concept of trading him in the middle of the season very recently, and that's Mookie Betts. Now, Mookie Betts didn't pitch, and Mookie Betts, uh, you know, isn't a two-way player, but Mookie Betts was like a, at his ceiling, a 10 to 12 win MVP. Great great MVP type. Who, who at the deadline, was dealt from Boston to the Dodgers and then pretty quickly signed a mega 12-year, whatever it was, 360-whatever-blah-blah-blah contract, right? Which would lead me to believe, and, you know, part of the reasoning of trading him was that he, it had been made clear, if you believe the Red Sox front office, and those billionaires would have no reason to lie to us. (laughs) No, why would they? Uh, Why would they lie? (laughs) But if 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 you believe them, he had made it clear that he was going to test free agency uh, or wanted to see what he was worth on the open market. And then he signed with the team to which he had been traded. Now, there's a million possibilities here. One is the Dodgers during the trade said to his agents, we want to extend him. And what's it going to take? And his agents were like, I, in the bo- I can't say for uh, legitimately because that was not in my client's best wishes, but something in the neighborhood of t- <laughs> 10 to 12 years and 32 to 34 million dollars a year. Right. And the Dodgers are like, well, that is absolutely fine. We can totally do that. And then Mookie went to L.A. and had a good time and and everything was great. And then they signed with that deal. Another possibility is he legitimately went there. Just they were like, we're going to try to resign you. And he was like, good luck. Right. Then the season ended and then they made him that offer and he liked it enough and then signed the deal. So it, either it's a wink and a nod and then they know that it's going to happen or whatever. So it, it also should be noted that in that deal, the Red Sox got a number of prospects slash early in their career, major leaguers like Alex Verdugo and right. Jeter Downs and these guys who either had a potentially very high ceiling or had already played in the majors and demonstrated they could hang in the majors. Verdugo has been a little bit up and down. He's having a very good year this year. He's a good hitter. He's a good right fielder. Yep. Jeter Downs washed out and is gone forever. Um, they originally in that deal, I believe, had Bruce Dark Gratterall, who then they were something in the medical that they didn't like, and they threw him back and picked a different fish. The point is, is like it wasn't Ellie Dela Cruz and right. Jonathan India right. and the and three guys, and it it also wasn't you know Alvarez and Pete Crow Armstrong and a bunch of guys. That the Mets could offer it, what it again, he's not the same guy, he doesn't pitch, but it wasn't like the Dodgers have like 50 great prospects, and it wasn't like the Dodgers said, Take any eight guys from our no, system you want. No, so even in a scenario where Shohei knows where he wants to resign, let's say he knows he wants to resign with the Dodgers, he wants to play in. He wants to stay in Southern California, but he wants to play for that organization because that organization does something that the Angels are incapable of doing, which is win. <laughs> and he and he's he and his agents are working on a deal right now. 
I think that the Dodgers don't give up five or six key guys to get him. I think they give up like two key guys and then a bunch of single well, A pitchers and they roll the dice. Well, know? there are a couple of things to say. First of all, not to in any way impugn your, your Red Sox knowledge, but I think you are misremembering. He was not at the deadline. He was traded before the season. I'm sorry. That's what, I meant. Yeah. that's what I meant. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. that but is different. In the year, in the year going. Right. No, no. The, yeah. the, absolutely. The comparison is the same, but it is a full year of Mookie versus yeah. two months of Shohei. Right. 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 And, but I think the comparison is fair in that, I don't think anybody's backing up the truck for two months of Shohei Otani. As great as Shohei Otani is, like, who is going to do that? The Dodgers? The Dodgers are in first place. And and they're really smart. And they're gonna really, they're just gonna just to get two months of Shohei, they're gonna, they're gonna they they can try to get Shohei in the offseason. And I think they'd have an excellent chance of of winning. So why would they back up eight? top prospects to get Shohei. I don't I think that it. era is just over. I mean, the, the era of the Red Sox trading Jeff Bagwell for Larry <laughs> and for two months of Larry Anderson are over. Just teams are too smart for that, yeah, right? Like, I think they're too and, smart. And, and I also think there's, is there a team that desperate? Like if the Mets were even in the ball game, maybe he's desperate enough to do something to save the season. But they're like 19. How many games back are they in now? I mean, they're just like some, they're not in, they're not even in it. I mean, yeah, they're 19 yeah. games back. Um, they're not in it. They're the Shoy Otani's not making the difference for that Mets team. So no. they're out. And I think the Dodgers probably feel like they've got enough to hold off the giants and, and diamondbacks. I mean, I'm sure they'd yeah. love to have Shohei, but they're not. They're not. They're not worried. They're, no. they're not worried. I mean, they they've been they've been like they are seemingly every year destroyed by injuries. The Diamondbacks got off to a super hot start. They're right. still they're still heading into the middle of late July with with a lead. With a the lead, I, they're they're, they're fine. Not, they're not the, the other the other thing, by the way, that I should mention about this is like that that trade, in addition to um, you know being theoretically the result of Mookie saying he wanted to test free agency right. was also a salary dump. They were also getting rid Total of David salary Price. Dump. So like Total. so the so the prospects that they got back were probably they had a lower ceiling because the Dodgers were like, we're taking eighty Price, million dollars yeah. of David Price off your right. hands. So again, it's already a shaky comp to begin with. I'm just saying I think that it's a comp it, it is a fair comp the other comp is, I mean, last year, Juan Soto, right? Juan Soto did get traded right. right before the deadline. But Soto had another year on top of it. Yeah. Plus, you, I mean, I could be totally misreading Shohei Otani. But based on sort of the, the parade he went through when he first signed, where he went to every team and, mm -hmm. and really wanted, like, you know, the reason the Angels got him was because they had this whole detailed plan of how this was going to work. I don't I don't think he's signing with anybody. I think he's going to go through yeah. the whole process of the offseason. Well, also they they were the I, I believe they were the only team that guaranteed that he could That's right. play both ways, right? That's right. They, they could there were I believe there were other teams. I remember reading there were other teams that said like let's see how it Yeah, plays we'll try out, to do it, but we'll they're the only ones that came with a plan. Yeah, they just, they yeah, had you, an you actual... pitch every fifth day and you right. or whatever and you're also hitting and you're DHing these days and you're playing right field these days or whatever. Right. So yeah, I I, I think 
like there is no way to know what's going on in that guy's brain in terms of where he wants to be. Seattle, the All-Star break made it seem like it was Seattle. And then sometimes you hear, no, he loves Southern California. He wants to play for the Dodgers. Sometimes you think to yourself, well, the Yankees are just going to offer him $600 million. And how is he going to turn that down? Right. Who knows? He could he could end up with the Tigers. Like just nobody has any idea really what's going on. The only thing that we know is that he wants to win. And the Angels are just not a team yeah. that can win. And so the, I... I that it's one of these deals, right? Where like, yeah, the smart thing on paper is to trade him. The reality is you're probably better off playing this out. Maybe there's a, there's a one in 200 chance that you get on a run and you, the angels win 18 out of 20 and you know, trout comes back at the end of August or something. And like they go on a crazy run and they sneak into the wild card. And maybe that increases your chances of keeping him by, 25 percent and if that's if you even have a shot in hell at improving your chances of keeping him then you just gotta keep him and 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 roll the dice and try to do whatever you can to keep i think that's right i mean look you take your swing right i mean you know you're gonna this way i don't know that you have any chance of keeping him but this way you at least have some some you know some ground that you'll be able to sort of exclusively be able to go after him uh if you deal him that's gone you you really insult your fan base in a lot of ways by trading yeah. Shohei Otani in the middle of the season. Um, I, I I just don't think it's a winner for them. But and they've they've not said they're not trading him. I mean, yeah. It's, well, it's, I look. It's to their benefit to leave that door open because there's a possibility that one of the teams that is potentially playoff bound and a little desperate that has a good farm system and there are many of those teams will do something stupid, right? The Orioles, the Reds, the Rangers, there are teams that are re- not just in the mix, but in position here to make the playoffs and potentially to make a run. And the Angels, I'm sorry, the Orioles have like 11 of the top <laughs> 35 prospects in baseball. And there's a chance, however slight, that they might be, you know, two games behind the Rays at the deadline. And they might say, look, we've got Gunnar Henderson in the majors and Rutschman and uh, all these guys, and and we're playing really well. We have now three, you know, top 100 prospects in the minors that we consider expendable. And if we bring Shohei Otani in right now, our fans will lose their minds. We'll make a huge push for the playoffs. We might win a World Series, and then Shohei might want to stay here and play in Baltimore. And yeah. we have everybody else on the team is like, you know, in year two of their six-year <laughs> control. They're all making the minimum. And so they can afford to pay Shohei Otani $50 million. Uh, uh, the longer you keep the guy, the better a chance there is that either you can keep him long-term or that you sneak into the playoffs and win. And also, if you let the door open a little bit to the possibility of trading him, it's possible that one of these other teams trades you Jeff Bagwell for Larry Anderson. It's possible. I mean, the problem with with that thought is, you, you sure, it's, there's nothing wrong with keeping the door open, but the Orioles are not going to be throwing that kind of, you know, they're I just, they're so just either, not, no. they're not. And that leads actually to, I think, our next stop on the buffet, because you mentioned mm. the New York Yankees and, and how they just lost two or three. The Yankees, there's something I want to say about the Yankees 
fearing that it could definitely come back to haunt us later. Always. But it's a, it's a it's a standard disclaimer that we give, but <laughs> we understand everyone that we are screwing ourselves yes. and jinxing ourselves by ever talking about how the Yankees stink. However, the Yankees stink and we yes. should talk about it. And we're going to talk but but this is more sort of existential for the Yankees because you said something about Shohei. In a lot of ways, if we were having this conversation 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 25 years ago. There's no question he'd go to the Yankees. Like, there's, to the Yankees. there's not even there's not even yeah. a doubt. Not even a doubt. I mean, I think when, we when Giambi was a free agent, did anyone doubt no, that Jason Giambi? No, was when no, Sabathia was a free agent, yeah. when when Teixeira, when any even Garrett Cole, by the way. Even Garrett Cole is like right. he's going to the Yankees. Yeah. Right. So there to me is something existential because I think Unless I'm completely misreading the story and seeing there, there's zero percent chance the Yankees are going to get Shohei. <laughs> no, that's crazy. That's <laughs> no, crazy. There's not I a zero percent. Don't chance. think they believe in spending money anymore. I don't like like you. They have they, a two hundred eighty million dollar payroll, but they have a two hundred eighty million dollar payroll because of very very stupid things that they signed. Smaller, like not you know, they went after Garrett Cole. That was legit, but man. It took like pulling teeth for them to, to sign uh, Aaron Judge. I mean, the Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge had to hit 62 home runs for them to go <laughs> ahead and outlay the real money for them. And oh, no, wait, but hold on, hold on a second. Here, but I got to stop you. You cannot let you <laughs> rant about this a second longer. They have an enormous amount of money coming off the books, uh, not, not next year, but over the next few years. They are paying Josh Donaldson an enormous amount of money. <laughs> well, that's their, that's because they're morons. Okay, I'm yes. sorry. Like they're that's probably my guess is that they're going to dump Stanton on some team and pay pay half nobody, his salary. That maybe nobody they'll pay or they'll pay two thirds of his salary. They'll clear some of that money off the books. They have there there is like but there's some there's some dead money on that team. I, I mean, there are also some terrible contracts that they're paying LeMahieu 15 million a year through 2026. Right. Like there, there's a, there is a lot of bad money there, but here's but what I'm I, telling but, you. Here's, here's what I'm, here's my argument. Here, this is, this is my argument. Those are left over from the days that the Yankees spent money. Like the, the Stanton thing was from the days that the Yankees spent money. Now the, yeah. the, the, you know, a couple of other moves that they've made that have been more recent have been kind of bad. But but what I'm telling you is I think young Steinbrenner, the new Yankees thing is to cash in. I don't think that like when when all of the bad things that you could say about George Steinbrenner and that I have and will continue to. That guy would do anything. That guy would spend any amount of money at any time. He was he was Steve Cohen on on steroids, right? And yeah. Young Steinbrenner's never been like that, but he's carried a little bit of that with him. And I think that's gone. I think here's here's why I say that. Where were the Yankees on Bryce Harper? Nowhere. Nowhere. Yeah. Where were the Yankees on on uh, Mike Trout? You know, I mean, not that that he ever like opened it up, but they they never really made that kind of push. Juan Soto, that they didn't, they weren't the ones that traded for Soto. Like that team is not like they have been replaced by other more aggressive owners. I think. Okay, you're not you're not wrong. I I believe that you're right, and and I also would say that if you go back in time to twenty whatever it was twenty seventeen, okay. is the year Judge and Gary Sanchez come up right? right? So they and they have 
Gliber Torres is like a, a rookie too, I think, or maybe he was the rookie of the year after. I can't remember now. But they they went to the ALCS. They were one game away from going to the World Series that year, and they had a rookie with Judge's potential. They had another rookie catcher with Gary Sanchez's potential. He kind of washed out, but still, they had Gliber Torres soon thereafter or around then. They had all of these guys. And they had guys, you know, coming up through the minors, pitchers, all these relievers, yeah, all these starters, you know, all their Clyde and, and they, and all those guys. And yeah. Clint, Clint Frazier, yeah. So they're so they're a game away from the World Series with all those guys at the beginning of their careers, completely uh, cost controlled, making the rookie minimum. Six years later, they're a mess. Yeah, I mean, they true. are an absolute mess. So first of all, hilarious. Couldn't couldn't love more <laughs> love how it. much of a mess. Love it, but. Let me just counter your argument, which is rational, with the following observation. So this year is the last year they have to pay Josh Donaldson. That's $22 million a year, right? right? Um, this year is the last year they have to pay Luis Severino, who's that's fifteen. So right yeah. there, you're talking about thirty-eight million dollars just by not re-signing Luis Severino, who is who's gone haywire and uh, and Donaldson. That's thirty-eight million. Gliber Torres it makes ten million. He's our four next year, but they could, they're not going to non-tender, but they could easily trade him in the offseason because he's been a disappointment. Maybe Frankie Frankie Montas, who's barely pitched for them, makes seven and a half. So even if they keep Torres, you're now talking about forty-six million between Frankie Montas, uh, Josh Donaldson, and Luis Severino. Then you start talking about like the year after that, seventeen million of Rizzo disappears. Isaiah Kiner Falefa makes six million this year. They don't need him anymore with Volpe coming with Volpe like are having arrived. They've they're paying Harrison Bader five and a half million this year. He's a free agent at the end of the year. They're paying Wandy Peralta three point four. He's actually pretty good. They might try to resign him. The point is, there is a almost a Shohei Otani amount of money in guys they don't need that comes off the books after this season. And if you if they started paying uh, show hey, fifty million a year next year. Their payroll would be about the same. They don't need Luis Severino because Shohei's goes into their starting rotation. They've ne- they haven't needed Josh Donaldson all year, and he's hitting like you know he has he's hitting one forty three or something like right. that. I don't think they need. They clearly, I mean, Frankie Montas has, was a huge mistake that they made, but they don't they don't need him obviously, or they he's not helping them in any way. They don't need Kiner Falefa. So you're talking about junk. There's 50 million of junk on their payroll this year that they could swap all of that junk out. They could have Peraza and and Volpe and those guys actually come up and be full-time members of the team instead of being sent up and down like they have been. And suddenly they have they have Shohei Otani and Aaron Judge hitting 3-4 in their lineup. I don't see a world in which they don't try because even though they are not the spenders they used to be whenever anyone is around... I think that's because their payroll is so bloated and has so much junk on it. I mean, they're paying Carlos Rodon twenty three million a year, twenty three million this year. He's pitched twice for them. Right. Like their their team is a mess, partly because of bad contracts, partly because of injuries, and partly because of mismanagement. A lot of that is solved if you get Shohei Otani. Every I... ticket next year for every single game is sold out. Every the team instantly becomes a lot better. You've got the most fearsome three four in a, in a lineup that has maybe ever existed, righty lefty, Aaron Judge and Shohei Otani, and you're suddenly the Yankees again. I just don't see a world where they don't try to make that happen. Maybe, maybe they do. I, I'm just saying that they have proven to be well. Two things I'm saying. One is they have proven to be um, very tame 
when it comes to this kind of aggressive. And, you know, there's an argument to be made. You're the Yankees. You make tons of money no matter what you do. Clearly, I mean, did you see the the patch that they are putting on the uniform now? Like that yeah. weird, what the... like the, the high, It's the healthcare company or whatever. Oh, yeah, it was like the ninth biggest... It, was, it reminded me of that... That scene in uh, Casablanca where the guy tries to get in because he owns like the fourth biggest bank in Belgium or whatever. It's like, what, this the Yankees? I mean, they've, they've sort of cheapened the whole thing. So that's one. They might, maybe they maybe they do. Maybe they convince George, hey man, we got, I mean, the young Steinbrenner, hey, we got to go in, all in, we got to do whatever we have. But there's a second part of this, which is how appealing are they? To Shohei Otani. That's a good question. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe, hey, I want to be in the in New York. I want to be in the biggest city. I want to do this. I want to, you know, I want to play for the legendary Yankees or whatever. Maybe not. And maybe man, not. I don't know that they can go to him and say, we're guaranteeing you a winner here. Like, they can't do that. I mean, it, that team there's, is... There's a pretty good... Look, Shohei Otani's 29 years old, Right. right? So he was born in whatever that is, 1993 or four. Right. Um, so in his life, let's say he started watching baseball for real in the year 2000. That's Ichiro's rookie year. Yeah. There's a pretty good <laughs> chance that for him, the Mariners I loom maybe, larger than the Yankees. The maybe. Yankees, The Yankees have won one World Series since right. Shohei Otani knew what baseball was. The Red Sox have won four. The Cardinals have won three. The Giants have won three. The Dodgers have won one. And the Dodgers are in the playoffs every year. Like, the, he, he is the first generation that missed all of that Yankee dynasty yeah. in the 90s, right? Yeah. So, so I, I, who knows? Again, no one knows. But there's a, there's a, you know, they, there's a chance that he's like a young European football player. And everyone is like, oh, you have to play for Manchester United. That's the gold standard. Right. He's, and like, he's like, really? Because Man City seems to win every year <laughs> and Liverpool seems to win every year. And like, yeah, like, why would I play for Man U or Chelsea? And it's like that those traditions, they they have a decent tail, but they don't last forever. And no. when the Yankees have, have basically won one title in his lifetime, really, that matters to him and the Mariners are the team that uh, that made Ichiro famous right. and vice versa. Right. There's a there's a decent chance that the Yankees do not mean for Shohei Otani what they meant to everyone, every superstar baseball player before Shohei Otani. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, but it's it's weird because Bryce Harper is how old is Bryce Harper? Bryce Harper is about the same age as Shohei, a little older. I think he's a little older. A little older, but not a lot. And he grew up a Yankee fan. Like that was his thing. And that's right. why it was kind of stupefying when the Yankees did not go after him at all. Um, but you're right. This is a different generation. Yeah. He's 30. So he's, he's a little bit older, almost 31. Turns 31 um, in October. And it can, you know, any, but he also grew up in Las Vegas where, you know, I'm sure Yankees were one of the big things on television all the time. And, and, you know, he grew up as a baseball. I mean, it's different. He grew up in Japan. I think there is an argument that you grew up in Japan. I mean, Ishiro is everything. The Mariners yeah. are everything. Like you, there is a very there's a very good argument to that. There's also a good argument because he's in Southern California and looks across, you know, pretty far, but looks across the highway structure and sees the Dodgers. 
and just how dominant they are. Sees Mookie Betts Mookie and Freddie Freeman. Betts and Freddie Freeman and, and, and Will Clayton Smith Kershaw. And Clayton I mean, Kershaw and and then also like they're do, they're in first place and they haven't had Dustin May all year and they haven't had Walker Bueller in a year and a half. Right. And they've got all these young guys coming up who are good, always, good, good. Like they always. draft really well and they well, develop and there are really movie well. Movie stars in the crowd. Like it, like I could see that being like a very big draw for him. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I don't think it, it's not like that in New York anymore. It's not like that. Now, it'll come back to that because I we've been talking about this for 10 minutes. So it'll, you know, within two years, Yankees win a World Series. They're the biggest thing in sports again. They probably have Shohei. Everything, everything goes wrong from here. But as of right now, your point is dead on. The Yankees are a mess. And they yeah. might be able to save some things if, if uh, Aaron Judge comes back, which by the way, is Aaron Judge coming back? Do we even know? Like every every day I hear like, oh, he's doing great. He's hitting off a tee. He's 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 full swing. He's doing great. But then it's like, well, what's the timetable? Like, no timetable. We still have no timetable. Listen, guy. I I, ha- I have to say this right now for the record. We you and I have a longstanding joke that, you know, we make predictions before the season and those predictions are ninety-nine and forty-four percent. Uh, forty-four one hundred percent accurate. <laughs> That's right. Blah 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 blah. That's the big joke is that we we're we're ha we're savants. We know everything. We nailed this. We <laughs> effing nailed this. And the thing that we said was, look, you know, he hit sixty-two home runs this year. There is a very high likelihood that he doesn't hit sixty-two <laughs> home runs again this year, for many many reasons. Many Among reasons. them, the way that he plays right field and just the natural sort of like vicissitudes of baseball would lead you to believe that something will happen and he'll miss. I, I literally thought he was going to miss 20 games because right. of his injury. That's what it looked like. He was going to miss yeah. like two or three weeks. That was right. what it looked like. And and the point that we made was even if he is Aaron judge of last year for the whole time he's playing, if he misses 20 or 25 games, that's not 62 home runs. That's 49 home runs. That's right. And there's a big difference in your effect on a team when you hit 13 fewer home runs. Absolutely. And now what's going to happen is he's going to end up with like 36 home well, runs or something. Well, assuming he gets back, I mean, he's Assuming he starts playing, yeah. Yeah. And, and we, uh, this, was a, this was one of the actual rare predictions that we make that was totally <laughs> on the money because there was, it's just so unlikely. The reason it's really hard to break something like the single season home run record is it means you can't miss any games. You can't miss any games. You, you got to play all you one. Yeah, you got to play them all. Play all. Yeah, you got to play, play all the all. games. Yeah. And he and it was just uh, it was as close to a mathematical certitude as it can be <laughs> that he wasn't going to play 160 games this year because very few guys never get banged up over the course of the year. Now in this case, it didn't look like that bad an injury, but it was to a part of his body that just doesn't heal very well, and right. he's. I mean, this whole baseball season basically has gone by without talking about Aaron Judge because he got off to a crazy hot start. He was leading the league in home runs. He was being Aaron Judge again. And now he's just been gone for like two months. And no one knows when he's coming back. And that's the thing. I mean, when when they went to uh, Judge and said, uh, are you going to be back this year? And his response was, I'm sure going to try. That's not great. You don't want to hear that. That's That's not what you want to hear. Another prediction. I want to say one more thing, by the way. Okay. uh, That in 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 the Otani sweepstakes. Yes. Which is, it'll never happen in a billion trillion schmillion years. (laughs) I understand that. However, however, 
The Boston Red Sox no. also have a lot of dead money coming <laughs> off their books. I'm just putting this out there into the universe. I'm just, just, I'm just like, I'm just, I'm trying to just, it's like the secret. I'm putting it out there and hoping that it'll happen. But Chris Sale's ridiculous, terrible $145 million contract will end after next year. That's $22 million. Kike Hernandez is 10. That's 32. Corey Kluber is 10. That's 42. They have an almost Shohei Otani sized payroll uh, hole. That's just those three guys who basically have done have contributed I, literally nothing. I, I can't. I to can't let you. I can't. Let I'm you just get saying. I can't it's, let I'm you get away with this. True. This is a team that walked away from Mookie. I'm sorry. I can't I let know, you get away with this. But maybe they learned their lesson. Maybe <laughs> no. they'll go to Shohei Otani and say, "We'll give you five hundred million dollars for eight years." No, they won't. They won't. No, they won't. No, no. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, speaking of predictions that uh, we got right, you and, and we talked about this last week. Well, you got it right. I'm giving you full credit. Uh-huh. It wasn't a full-fledged prediction, but it was a, hey, man, things could go very bad for the Mets. Things could really go bad. Like, yeah. it's like it's possible. It's possible <laughs> things go really bad. Everything went really bad for the Mets. So my question everything. to you. Yeah, everything. My, my next question to you on our walk of the buffet is, what now? What do you just do? Slide, if just, hang on, let me just. Sl- <laughs> I gotta slide my trade down the line here. I gotta work up through the sneeze guard, grab the tongs, and that's I'm right. Up grab the tongs. New York. Don't. I'm trying to pick up some Mets, a little scoop of Mets, <laughs> a little and scoop right of, on my a plate. little scoop of Mets into your tray. There is an an incredibly obvious thing for the New York Mets to do, and if they don't do it, that is it is the stupidest uh, season of baseball that we will have ever witnessed. <laughs> They need to sell everyone on their team. <laughs> everyone. They need to sell Max Scherzer. They need to sell Justin Verlander. They need to sell Starling Marte if they need to. They need to sell... Uh, they just signed Nimmo. They won't sell him. They need to sell not Pete Alonso because they probably want to keep him around, but anyone. Jose Quintana, Mark Canna, <laughs> David Robertson is a great person to sell. Do you know how many teams would want David Robertson right oh, now yeah, yeah. on their I- team? Honestly, so many people. He'd be. He's going to be one of the few guys that people do want. Nobody wants to pay yeah. Verlander and Scherzer money. Nobody wants to pay that kind of money. Adam Ottavino, come on down, <laughs> buddy. You're next. Tommy Pham, get out of here. Like all of the Daniel Vogelbach. Someone will want Daniel Vogelbach. Like he's only making a million bucks, but someone will want him. But they. Here's the thing. Scherzer and Verlander uh, m- have been not great obviously injuries and they're worn down and whatever yeah. Scherzer though threw like gave up like one hit in seven innings the other night yeah and looked really good they're still Scherzer and Verlander sure and they are even though they make way too much money <laughs> uh because of the absurd contracts that they got they they are both under contract for next season yeah. both of them yeah and there is no way 
that there wouldn't be three to four suitors for both of those guys heading into the playoffs. I don't if know, they're man. not, if they, I'm telling you, I dude, don't know. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Who doesn't want Matt? If you're everybody the, if you're the Orioles, everybody wants those guys, but nobody else was willing to give them forty million dollars a year. Only no, the but, Mets. But think of it this way: you're not giving. Max Scherzer, $87 million for two years anymore. You're giving Max Scherzer like $55 million to pitch for to yeah. pitch for you in July and August of this and September of the or August and September and October of this year. I think the and Mets then have all to of put, next I think year. the Mets have to put money on the table in order to make that happen. I think the Mets have to pay part Great. of that contract. Now maybe they pay, should. Pay, maybe give they... them 10, sell them, <laughs> sell them to someone, sell them to the Orioles and pay them 12 million bucks or pay the rest of his salary for this year. So you're so now the Orioles are paying Scherzer are 43 million for a year and two months. I think they might do that. I I think Maybe. there's a bunch of teams that might do that. And if the Mets don't do that, they're insane. To get out from <laughs> under a 90 to 120 million dollars of contracts when the team is going absolutely nowhere, they if they're not at least trying to do that, I think they're nuts. Yeah, I think they're going to try to do it. I think they're it's going to be tough, man. I mean, I just, th th I mean, Justin Verlander and Max, they're not pitching badly. It's not like they're pitching terrible. They're fine. Yeah. But they're not, they're not giving you that kind of money and they're not getting younger. I mean, Max Scherzer is 30, almost 39. He's not going to, not like tomorrow he's going to be different. I mean, this is, this is kind of who Max Scherzer is at this point in his career. And this is who Justin Verlander is. And, yeah, I mean, I could see a team like the Ori if the, the Orioles are such a bad example because that's such a bad ownership group. They're they're never going to spend any money. That's they're not a good example. They would be because they are in position where they're like, let's go for it. We need one of these aces for, for our for our. You know, that's what the Astros did. Heck, the Astros might do it. They might like let's yeah. get Verlander back for for the get the, playoffs, get the gang right? back together. Get yeah. the gang back together. Um, but it's so much money, and the Mets have it's to do so much it's money. So much money. The Mets. I mean, this was it was a huge gamble. We kind of we kind of applauded it because it was such a like what a bold move mm -hmm. from from a billionaire who's like I don't care what I have to spend. But now it's you're stuck, man. Like you, there there was no plan B here. Like this this either had to work or you were really 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 screwed. And and yeah, they're. They're just, I mean, how, how I mean, in the world, how in the world is Francisco Lindor markedly worse in his 27, 28, 29 years than he was in his 22, 23, 24 years? I don't understand this. What well, is happening? We now have a substantial sample size here and he still has power. He had 26 homers last year. He's got 19 this year, but you're talking about a guy who had his OPSs from 22 to 26 we're 794, 842, 871, 854. And then 27 years old, 734, 788, 780. I mean, you're talking about like 80 points or 100 points almost of OPS. Well, it's worse. It's pretty clear. What is I mean, going on? Well, what is happening? He's, I mean, look, he's still, when you look at his overall value, he's still a valuable player. He's an uh, incredible defender. He's an incredible he's a, defender. He's a good yeah. defender. He steals bases. He hits home runs. He also. I mean, the strikeout thing is out of control with him. Like he just does not make contact anymore. Yep. And it's a big, it's a big problem. Look, he's, he's not their problem. 
The problem is not. I mean, of course, they would He's like. He's not not their problem. He makes $33 million a year every year until the earth is swallowed by the sun <laughs> but he'll put up five war i mean it's like he's not yeah he's yeah. not he's not a disaster the way that that some of these other guys are but also the weird thing about it is and and i think we kind of touched on this in our in our 99 and 4 100 44 100s accuracy podcast i think we touched on this they kind of were not that well put together even if everything went right you know yeah. what I mean? Like, if everything went right, sure, Lindor would be two wins better than he is, right? And and Alonzo would hit your fifty home runs, and and Scherzer and 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 Verlander would would both be like Cy Young candidates. I mean, like a, a lot of things. Even then, this is not that good a lineup. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. it's not that good a lineup right now. They're what eleventh in the league in runs, and there's not a lot of upside in that lineup. I mean, like I guess. Jeff McNeil could be doing better, but I mean, Brandon Nimmo's doing what Brandon Nimmo does. I mean, you can't say, oh, I'm disappointed because Daniel Vogelbach's not hitting the way you thought. But you know like what I mean? Tommy I mean, Pham <laughs> isn't an MVP candidate. Yeah. I mean, thank God for Francisco Alvarez because, I mean, they're 43 and 50, and they have a rookie catcher who has 17 homers. <laughs> no. At, out of I know. nowhere, out of and nowhere, it, yeah. And he's third on the team at home runs, and <laughs> and he's—I mean, that's insane. They've got so many just medium guys. Yes, There's so many <laughs> Brett Beatties and Mark Cannas and Tommy Fams and just so Tom, and, you know, like and their stars are kind of flawed. I mean, Lindor is is Lindor is is still a very good player. Lindor is no longer an MVP candidate. He's not yeah. in that level. And Alonzo, like, he's kind of Dave Kingman-like. I mean, like, that batting average yeah. is not... I mean, it's it's not going well for him. Anyway... Jeff, Mc, Jeff McNeil was a 5.7 war player last year. He has 0. 0.8 he, war he's in been 92 terrible. games He's been year. terrible. I mean, he's he's the one guy that I think... But He won the batting what, title. I know, That's but, insane. But look at him two years ago. He's basically having the same year this year that he had two years ago. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, was it Almost last exactly. year the fluke? I mean, it's just kind of... Well, but then you're like in 2020... Only fifty games, but he hit three eleven yeah, in twenty nineteen. One hundred thirty three games, he hit three eighteen. Like maybe he had, he's a, maybe he's an odd even guy. Maybe he's like one of those guys that like every other year has like something good. All right, here's my question though. At the end of the day, Buck Showalter has no future with the Mets. You would have to agree no. with that, yes? Yes, Buck F is gone. Fired during the season or fired after the season? No, I think they. I think that they. I think they get to the end of this tragic season. They it might be one of those fire him in September and bring in an, a bench coach for the last month or something. But I, I my guess has been, and it and it really depends on whether they listen to me and fight <laughs> and like trade everybody on their team, which is what they should do. But they. Um, I think that they just clean house this off season. I think going yeah. into, I think after the season is over, when the all of the headlines in sports are about Aaron Rodgers and the New York <laughs> Jets and how the Jets are somehow three and four, still even terrible, even Rogers. though they have Aaron Rodgers, yeah, and the, and last year's best defense <laughs> yeah. or whatever, you know. Yeah, they 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 wait until Aaron Rodgers has a game where he loses to the Lions and throws four interceptions, and then that night they announce that Buckshaw Walter has been fired and no one even notices. I think that I think the only way they would fire Buckshaw Walter during the season is if they thought they had any chance. But you you've got to think at this point they feel like they have no chance, right? 
I don't know how they could think they have a chance. I mean, look, you you want to see the two organizations that are the absolute like pinnacle of success and failure from top to bottom. They're in the same division. It's the New York <laughs> Mets and the Atlanta Braves. The, the Atlanta Braves are so good yeah. and have so many guys that they drafted and developed that are locked into extremely long-term deals and are earning all of the money that they make in those deals. They're, that lineup, you know, there's so much has been said about them in the first inning, how they just they four, score four runs in the first inning in every single every game. Night. Every, every night. single game. Yeah. They're up four nothing after one. And you look up and down that lineup, and it's just Acuna and Albies and Olsen, who, again, obviously they didn't draft, and Austin uh, Riley and... And then it's like, and then pitching is like, it's Spencer Strider every fifth day, who is so good, that guy. He's, and they just and have Bryce these guys. Elder, I mean, it's just yeah. like, like, that guy's good. They, like They have every, everybody on their team is good. Everyone at every position is better than every guy that the Mets have at every <laughs> position. And it it's just, a, it's an incredible night and day thing to watch those two teams play each other or just watch them soar, watch the Braves just slice through the rest of the league from from a, in a, the best one through nine lineup in baseball and then watch their pitchers just slice through other teams, just boom, 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 boom. And then the, with the Mets, it's like nothing is easy. Nothing comes no. easy. Everything's a struggle. Everyone's injured. Every every game is a defensive lapse and a pitching screw up and a, a balk at the wrong moment <laughs> and a wild pitch and an error in the outfield. Like It's just incredible how painful that must be for Mets fans to have to watch Braves fans in their own division. No, it's, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be awful. But I mean, the Braves are just, they're so, I mean, you mentioned him. Remember when like people were freaking out because the Braves let Freddie Freeman go. They're like, Oh my gosh, Freddie Freeman. He's like a lady is Freddie Freeman's Freddie Freeman's going to the hall of fame. Freddie Freeman's a great hitter for the Dodgers. Mm Mm-hmm. They just brought in the guy who's like second and I mean who was leading the league in home runs. They just were like, yeah, Matt Olson, he'll be fine. He'll he'll <laughs> he'll be he'll be great. We'll sign him for seven years. He's kind of, he's from here. He's from Atlanta. It's like perfect. And it's that was that was a ruthless, ruthless. business decision. Well, they're ruthless. Like they they were like they were you know Freddie Freeman and fan favorite. Yep. And everyone loves him and he loves playing in Atlanta. It's his hometown team. They were like, get out of here. We're <laughs> signing Olson for this much money for eight years and and we don't care and everyone went crazy yep. and then freddie Freeman was crying on tv and then <laughs> and then he signed with the dodgers and then like there was that weird thing where he was like wait take me back i, I want to go back to it i like, really loved it here and they were like shut up we're done with you and and it was kind of the right call i think well, like, as good it was as the fr- right call for them yeah i mean yeah but everything they do though i mean and it's not all admirable but Everything that Ange- that uh, Braves team has done for like the last decade has been ruthless. Just I mean, like they ruthlessly move the team out into the suburbs to make billions of dollars in in you know new stadium construction, and then they ruthlessly like literally their their general manager was like banned for life for the ruthless way they went after international players. And then they ruthlessly sign these kids like they're like they're like Motown signing young singers for like a buck on the dollar, you know, de- yeah. 10 cents on the dollar. I mean, they just everything they've done has been ruthless, but also 
brilliant. Like it's like it's all they're the new. I'll tell you, they're the new Astros, man. They're yeah, the they new really Astros. Are. I'll tell you if to to loop this back to our previous discussion, you really want to talk about a Yankees team that doesn't do what they used to do. There were all sorts of Matt Olson rumors flying around uh, when he was traded, and there was like a, a you know, are they going to give up? You know, Peraza, I think, was the key to that trade, or maybe Volpe or whoever. But like, they, you know, they made that Frankie Montas deal, and there were all these rumors at the time about should they should, are they're going after Matt Olson? They're going after Matt Olson, and I think Matt Olson was like kind of a Yankee fan or something. Like he was a he was a, like into the team, and there was some rumor about that too. But anyway, the point is, they went with the cheap, short Rizzo deal. Yep. Yep. And and went with him instead, and you know, and thought they could sort of like get, you know, a cup, get seventy percent of Matt Olson out of <laughs> Anthony Rizzo, and now like that. I mean, imagine how much better this Yankee team would be if they had Matt Olson at well, first base. There, you look at that lineup now without Aaron Judge. You look at that Yankee lineup, and I wrote this when when I wrote the piece about Aaron Judge. You look at that Yankee lineup, and there's literally not a single person in that lineup that scares you. Not one no. person, including Stanton nope. at this point. He's just he's yeah. not he's not that same player. And and that's the New York Yankees. I mean, that's and and even when Judge comes back, he's the only one in that lineup. So if you he, had he Judge, does have a halo. He has a halo effect where everyone around him does get better. Doing but better. But but again, it's so what? It's still not fear you know it's not i've like... been texting i've been texting people this including probably you i don't even remember because i <laughs> it's in a blackout rage but i look at the yankee lineup every night and i think how is this team not 10 games under 500 they, they, it is they're, they're they stink their lineups are humiliating and and you know what it really looks like honestly the red sox lineup last year the red sox lineup last year i would look at the who they're rolling out there and like everyone on the team has like a 723 ops <laughs> Everyone's terrible. Like they've got like Isaiah Kiner Falefa hit sixth for them last night and has hit as hit like fifth and second at different times this year, I think. <laughs> and that, you know, Josh Donaldson, who can barely get on the field anymore, that was hitting cleanup a couple games oh, ago. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. it is an it is an embarrassing lineup without Aaron Judge in it. And by the way, we got this right too when we were talking about Judge. We said like that lineup, you take that guy out of that lineup, and suddenly that lineup is nothing. I mean, nothing. they are—they are absolutely well, terrible. Well, and and what's something that's happening to the Yankees that doesn't normally happen to the Yankees? After a supremely hot start, I mean, I don't think Anthony Rizzo has gotten a hit in like two months. I mean, he's been—he's <laughs> been terrible. And DJ LeMahieu is like—he's—he's he's almost unplayable. He's borderline unplayable as a. As a as a hitter now, I mean, he's got a sub three hundred OPS. I mean, uh, uh, on base percentage, and I mean, it's he's not good. And and Anthony Volpe does not kind of look ready yet. I mean, he's he's doing some good things, but he doesn't. He's this got is thirteen homers, which is pretty good. But steals. He, I mean, he's he's, he's got doing a he's got a two he's got a two eighty two on base percentage. I mean, he that's can't, what I mean. And he, and he's out, he struck out a hundred times in three hundred and seventeen at bats. Yeah. I mean, the 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 guy with the highest OPS of any regular player, if you don't count Judge, who's only played in forty nine games, of any regular player is Jake Bowers has a seven eighty two OPS. <laughs> That's the highest OPS in the team. Gliber's at seven fifty two. John Carlos at seven forty seven. Billy McKinney, who started out red hot, is now at seven forty one. Anthony Rizzo is seven forty. Bader's seven fifteen. 
Willie Calhoun, who Willie Calhoun, who <laughs> DHs for that team, is has a seven twelve OPS. Connor Falefa six seventy three. Volpe six sixty four. Lemayhu six sixty four. Six sixty four in eighty games. DJ Lemayhu has a six sixty four OPS. Can, can, can I ask you something? I, I want it. I want because I want this full. Listen, man, we're all in on this Yankee thing at this point. There's no holding back. <laughs> I want the full amount of level of joy that you are getting from the fact that like uh, Aaron Hicks is actually helping the Orioles. It's amazing. A lot. Oh, it's amazing. It's the best. <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, this never happens, right? That is the thing, which we've said this before. I believe that the all-time record holder for home runs after leaving the Yankees and going to another team is still Jay Buhner with like, you know, 147 or whatever it is. And it just never happens. The, the story is always that Matt Carpenter is out of baseball and comes to the Yankees and hits like Barry Bonds. It's and never the story. And out of baseball again. Yeah. And then it, yeah. It's never the story that anyone leaves the Yankees or is cut from the Yankees and does that somewhere else. Now, Hicks isn't doing that exactly for the Orioles. He's, he's, he's got a 133 OPS plus in 100 games. Playing good baseball. He is playing good baseball for that team. Well, listen, to me, there's a double joy to that because it's not just somebody who played for the Yankees and went to a division rival and is, is really contributing. I mean, he's not great, but he's contributing to that team. It's that they've been waiting forever for Aaron Hicks to do something. It's It's like, it's so amazing. And then they trade him or get rid of him and, He's like, this is what he would. They would have gotten rid of him if he had a 133 OPS plus. He would have been hitting cleanup for that team. If he oh had my done god, you kidding? He's hitting second. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, th- this is all you need to know about the Yankees. I can't believe we're doing a second segment about how. Well, we went the back. Are. We went back in they- the buffet. <laughs> we loved what we loved what what that dish was down there. We looped around. We got back in line and we picked up another scoop of Yankees. They pinch hit Frenchie Cordero in the in a game against the Red Sox in a key spot late in the game. They pinch hit Frenchy Cordero. Frenchy Cordero couldn't hack it on the Red Sox. He's hitting 155 this year in 21 games. I mean, this is here's. I'll tell you the really, the really crazy thing about this. If you really want to like get get to the root of why they're so bad or how it is that they're so bad, there are five guys in this team who have more than one WAR this year. Five. It's Judge, Volpe, Torres, Rizzo, and Bader. That's it. Yeah, from everyday Trevino, players. Trevino yeah. of everyday players. Trevino, an all-star catcher last year. Is hitting 214 as a 580 OPS and basically can't get on the field. And DJ Mayhew, who has been a really important part of that team, is almost exactly a replacement level level yeah, player this year, as is Stanton. Like there, these guys, Oswald Peraza, who I think was indeed the centerpiece of that deal, has played in 13 games and has a 576 OPS, and they wouldn't trade him for Matt Olson. Donaldson <laughs> is obviously below replacement level. So is Higashioka, who has been pretty big for them in moments in recent years. Bowers is below replacement level. Kiner Falefa below replacement level. Oswaldo Cabrera, who's, who is 185 at-bats and played in 76 games, he's way below replacement level. He's a 584 OPS. Like there's This lineup is just straight-up garbage. And honestly, the reason that they do not have – they're not 10 games under 500, I would say, is Garrett Cole. I think that's it. I think, yeah. I think it's Garrett Cole. And, and their bullpen has been very dec- good. And a good bullpen, right. Yeah, I think that's kind of because even the rest of the rotation does nothing for me. No, you know? I it's, mean, it's, it's I mean, Nestor Cortez, who was an all star last year, has yep. missed most of the first half with injuries. 
Those other guys, Severino, well, Domingo Herman. Coming back, yeah. I mean, when Domingo Herman decides to cheat, he pitches really well, and when he decides not per- to cheat, he doesn't pitch really so well. Perfect games when he cheats, and and, uh, and yeah, <laughs> uh, and and yeah, no, it's their, They have eight good, pretty good relievers, and Garrett Cole, and that's why they're six games over five hundred. That's right. Or they, or I mean, this Garrett would Cole be, could win the Cy Young. I mean, he he started yeah. the All Star game, so I mean, it's, yeah. you know, that's they would good. they would be a they would be a a, a crater. If they if it weren't for Garrett Cole in that bullpen, an That's absolute right. like <clears throat> steaming, they would be the Colorado Rockies. They would be twenty <laughs> games under five hundred. I mean, it really is one of the worst lineups in baseball when judges when judges isn't in there. All right, as we move down the buffet, mm-hmm. uh, I think I'm we are still ought- hungry. By the way, I don't know about <laughs> you, but I'm I have not filled up yet. I I I think we should step away from the baseball buffet, and I think this is the good time to talk about Carlos Alcaraz. Okay. Who just won Wimbledon. Um, this is so we basically we were at a breakfast buffet, and now we've been here so long that now they've switched over, and now it's lunch. I kind of so- like to think that this like this is the soup. We're just getting the soup at this point. Maybe. <laughs> All um, right. Fair enough. Man, so did you watch? Did you get to watch some of it? I, I did not watch the entire <clears throat> match, but I watched the last uh, set and a half. I would say. Okay, so. Uh, and I, I should say that I will be talking about this later in the week on uh, our good friend Howard Bryant's podcast here shared at the at the uh, Metal Arc Network. Uh, actually going to be having a conversation, me and and uh, Howard and Brian Koppelman. This is this yeah. uh, we're talking about tennis. Brian Koppelman's a big tennis fan. Brian Koppelman hates, hates Novak Djokovic. He just hates oh, Novak. I thought you were going to say Alcaraz. I was happy. No, 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 yeah. no. He, I think he likes Alcaraz, but he hates Novak. I think that was the big driving force. I'm a Novak fan. I like Novak because I just love the way he plays. But here's what I would say. I've, I've never seen anything like Carlos Alcaraz. And we've said this like 20 times in the last like 20 years. Like, oh, I've never seen anything like Roger Federer. I've never seen anything like... Rafael Nadal, I've never seen anything like Novak Djokovic, never seen anything like Andy Murray. Like everybody comes in and they're like, wow, they're just taking the game to a whole other level. But this guy feels like he's morphed all of the other great players and put them on like, like some sort of super, like some superpower person, like a, yeah. like a, like a super villain who like takes all of the superpowers of everybody else and puts it in one body. I, I I don't think I've ever seen anything like this guy. It's pretty insane. He's 20 years old. 20 right? years old. He's 20 years old. He now has... Is this his second major? Didn't he it win is his the... second. He won the U.S. Open last year when Djokovic so, wasn't there. So now, you know, in the old days when we were children, <laughs> when you turned 30, your tennis career ended. When ended. Pete Sampras turned 30... <clears throat> that's right. It was like, well, 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 he can't ever you know, win anything again because he's 30. <laughs> and now you've got Federer and Nadal and and Joker playing deep into their 30s, well pushing 40 30s. in some cases, yeah. right? And so you now look at Alcaraz and you know that uh, obviously Federer and Nadal are gone. He just defeated Joker. He's going to be the odds-on favorite in pretty much every major <laughs> he's healthy for for the next, what, 15 if, maybe years? Maybe 15 years. And a whole lot can happen. We see this in golf too, where like Rory McIlroy wins a major and someone's like, he's going to break Jack Nicholas's record. Right, right. And then it's like, no, he's not. Like the reality of that is, no, he's not. But 
if right now, like, what do you, what kind of odds do you think you could get on Alcaraz beating Joker's majors <laughs> record? I think you could get like pretty good odds that that's going to happen because he looks. Not only does did he just finally vanquish Joker, especially at Wimbledon, yeah, it's a Wimbledon. really big deal. Yeah. That's not his, as you wrote about. That is not his. The surface he grew up playing, he grew up on clay, and he and and grass has always been hard for him. He just beat Joker. I don't think you would ever suggest that that Joker is going to be favored to beat him in any future tournament on any surface, frankly. And he's got two majors, and he needs 22 more or whatever it is to break the record. But I swear to God, right now, at this moment, prisoner of the moment, I would say, yeah, he'll probably do that. He'll probably win 24 majors. Like it's, He just looks like, who's going to beat that guy? Yeah, it's he looks he looks amazing. Now... I think Joker has one or he has he has he has majors left in him. Just things the way that things play out. You know, we haven't seen the sort of how consistent um he can be, Carlos can be, right? Like we haven't seen like is he gonna be like Djokovic and Nadal and Federer where he makes the final of every tournament he plays in? Does he have some tournaments he shows up and eh, he's not all in on it, especially he gets a little bit older. He's not all in. Somebody upsets him in the in the third round or whatever. Like that's that's how it used to be, man. Like, like right? Yeah. Like like it used to be. Sampras would show up, and it's like, oh, Pete Sampras lost in the second round. Like, oh, okay, well, all right, he'll he'll win the next one or whatever. And that sort of went away when Federer made whatever seventeen trillion consecutive semifinals or whatever. And that's how Djokovic has been. And Nadal a little less because of injuries, but still super consistent. So you don't know how that's going to play out. You don't know where the number will end up, all of those things. That said, and there are some very, very talented young players that are coming up that are sort of in the mold of Alcaraz. I mean, I don't know that they're as good as Alcaraz, but... But, you know, Runa and, and and a couple of other guys that are his age, a couple of 19-year-olds that are supposed to be the next big thing, we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. I don't think anybody thought when Federer took over that a guy like Rafael Nadal would come along and, and basically become his rival. So I don't know how that's all going to play out. But what I do know is I think you're right. This was a, this was a crescendo moment where from now on, it's Carlos Alcaraz's world. I mean, yeah. it's his world, and he will he will sort of determine like the next certainly the foreseeable future of tennis goes through him. And if Djokovic wants to win another major, he probably is going to have to beat Alcaraz to do it. You know, and and Alcaraz yeah. is only going to get better. That's the he's other. Th- thing. That's the thing. He's at the beginning of his crescendo. Right he's now. so and much he's... better right now than he was at the U.S. Open last year. You know, right. right. So that serve will. You know, like now he's serving 132 miles an hour. Next Australian Open, he might be serving 137. You know what I mean? Like everything is only going to get. He's only going to get stronger. He's only going to get better, and uh, man, it's exciting. It's cool. Now, now, how does this? Here's my question for you because I know very little about tennis, but I saw some. I didn't. I didn't watch. Uh, I only watched the first couple games of the women's final. Yes. Um, watching two players I don't know very well. I remembered uh, Anz Jabour. Is that how you pronounce her name? That's right, Jabour. She 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 was in the U.S. Open final 
yes. last year or something, right? So I was like, oh, I remember her. But Vondrasova, I had never heard of before. Right. Um, and so I was looking this up. So here are the U.S. Open. I know she Vondrasova just won Wimbledon. But the U.S. Open winners since the last time Serena won her sixth, the U.S. Open winners are uh, Panetta, Kerber, Stevens, Osaka twice. Right. And Driescu, Emma Raducanu, who won when she was like 21 and unseeded, yes. beat Leila Fernandez. And everyone was like, oh, my God, it's the era of Emma Raducanu. <laughs> and then she's been heard and has never been heard from again. Uh, Swiatek, and then and now who knows this year. But it's like there is no one. Like Osaka seemed like that person. And then she stepped away for right. personal reasons. And and the, it seems like the women's field in the, in the post-Serena era is as wide open as any field has ever been forever. In any go, sport. Yeah, yeah. If you go back in time, you see, okay, yeah, Serena and Venus were winning all the time. But Kim Clijsters won over and sure. over again. And Sharapova won a bunch. And then there was sort of the, like, Hingis going was, back in Hingis yeah, yeah, and yeah, Steffi yeah. Graf and Sanchez yeah. Vicario and Sabatini, like all these people. Now it seems like a different woman wins every, every. major every year. <laughs> yeah, is that's there right. One of, is there one person who you think is like, the future of, of women's well, tennis is supposed to step in. No, not along those lines. Look, I think Schweitek is the best player in the world. Like she's the one that goes in, I think, as your favorite. And she's cool. Like there's a there's a lot that to really like about her. Um but no, look, Vandrasova wasn't even seated. Like there was like it was yeah. a complete like that that But Radakanu wasn't seated. And Radakanu wasn't seated. Ago. That cannot happen in men's tennis. No. Like it used to be able to happen. Like that used to be a thing. Am I crazy or was Becker unseated the first time? Becker was 17, like, right? He and was he was on, and yeah. I don't think McEnroe was seated the first time he made it to the semis or the final at, at Wimbledon. And like it used to be able that that could happen. Like surprise, complete shocking guys could, could win in men's tennis. Uh, and back then, women's tennis, you couldn't. It was always Martina and it was always Chris Ever and it was always Steffi and it was always Hingis. Like those, they dominated like, you know, and then Serena came along and same thing. But now an unseated man has no chance. No chance. No, no chance. Like the zero best chance. hope, you maybe you can make it to the semifinal. I mean, like that can happen. Even that's kind of unlikely. But you're not winning. You're not. There's an unseated person cannot beat Djokovic, cannot beat Alcaraz, cannot beat you know the the, the very top guys. In women, you know, Vondrasova beat Schwitek. I mean, like that. Yeah. It just can happen. I mean, I just I remember that that uh, Leila Fernandez Raducanu I US Open match. final. Yeah. Which was a great match, and they were both like Leila Fernandez was like 18, and Raducanu was like 20 or whatever, and I was like, okay. Here we go. I know who I know who to focus on in terms of like who's who matters in women's tennis going forward. And then I mean again, Raducanu I think had a wrist injury, yeah, right, yeah. or something that like but took still, a but also out. also her her level fell way off. I mean the, the yeah no, the one that the one that blew my mind was you remember Eugenie Bouchard, the Canadian. She yeah. made it to the final of Wimbledon um, back in the mid two thousand tens and. I think she'd been in like a couple of semis that same year and she was super young and, and like had this big personality and it was like, Oh man, that's, that's really cool. Like Jeannie Bouchard is going to be the future of tennis. 
man, I, I've not heard of Jeannie Bouchard. I don't have any idea what she's doing now. I, I literally, you know, I hope, uh, I hope she's well, but man, I mean, it's like just completely disappeared from the planet. She's currently ranked 212 in the world. <laughs> wow. Wow. She yeah. made three semifinals in that one year, including the finals of Wimbledon. And then it was just like gone, just completely gone. It, it really does feel like the game was dominated by Serena for so long. And in the, the, in the men's bracket, it was dominated by the same three guys for 20 years. Right. And now it's like, it's wide open. And wide now open. It feels like, well, it's Alcaraz and everybody else in the men's side, at least for now. And on the women's side, it feels like any year to year, Tournament to tournament, anyone can win any of these. But majors. isn't that kind of, as we move down the buffet line, isn't that a little bit like what the vacuum that Tiger left behind in golf? Yeah, I think to golf's detriment, sadly. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll say for myself, like, and it's not like I'm the first person to point this out, but the magic of Tiger was that he made people who don't care about golf watch golf. Right. And that's, and, and prize money went up as a result and ratings went up and, you know, he crossed over into like a thousand different areas of the of the culture. And the same is certainly true of Serena. I mean, Serena Williams was in a Beyonce video like it's she was like a she was a, so much bigger than tennis. And and even casual fans, casual tennis fans like me in the finals of any major tournament, a little alarm bell would go off in my head and say, oh, it's it's Federer and Nadal today. I got to watch that. Yeah. And if you don't have that, those sort of gravitational pulls for the casual fans, the sport kind of just recedes into Absolutely. the background. And maybe, maybe Alcaraz will be that guy. Maybe someone will emerge to be a rival to him the way Federer and Nadal were, or Federer and Djokovic, or Nadal and Djokovic. It's I possible. I think for now, that Djokovic... Uh, um match up with Carlos is very cool. Like old and yeah. young. That's really cool. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe somebody will develop, but you're right. I think we've seen it in other sports. Like when, I mean, I'm not a boxing fan anymore, but when you were watching and there were, and you were wondering who was going to fight Mike Tyson or who was going to, you know, right. And, and then it was like, Oh man, the characters drew you in. I was, I've never been a big NASCAR fan, but there was that stretch of time when Dale Earnhardt Sr. and Jeff Gordon were kind of going at it, and it seemed like a clash of cultures, and 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 it was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I'm 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 going to pay a little bit of attention to that, and and so I think you need those driving forces. Yeah. And Tiger was a whole other thing. Like Tiger, Tiger didn't need any rivals. Tiger didn't need any like Tiger alone. Just watching Tiger was enough to bring yep. anybody out. And the fact that kind of nobody ever really emerged as a as a rival for him, I mean, sort Mickelson not really and like Ernie Els, like no, I mean nobody really ever emerged as a rival. It didn't matter. Didn't he was matter. the story. He That's was the right. only story that mattered, yeah. But I don't think there's any certainly there's no one guy like that in golf. Rory is like the closest thing. Rory McIlroy is like the closest thing. But like Rory hasn't won in ten years. He hasn't won a major in forever. Well, he just won the Scottish Open, and he's he, everyone's talking about how he might win the British. I right? hope he does. Like, I love Rory. I I want Rory. Okay, so here we go. So I'm going to read these to you. We're these, moving down the buffet line to golf now. We are in the golf part of the buffet line right now, <laughs> and I'm going to read this to you. This is ESPN's guys who can win. Okay, and I want you right. to tell me if they do win or if they're in contention. Will you watch on Sunday based Great. on them being in contention? 
Okay. Number one, Rory McIlroy. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Right? I like him. Yeah. Number two, John Rahm. Barely heard of him. <laughs> so you're not you're not tuning in to see if John Rahm wins. I if someone calls me and says John Rahm's got a two stroke <laughs> lead on the sixteenth, I don't that's not making me turn on my TV. No. This one might. Number three, Cameron Smith. If Cameron <laughs> Smith is in contention to win. First of all, Cameron Smith is a shooting guard for the Suns. <laughs> He's not a golfer, so read that again and get the right name. If Scotty Scheffler is in contention to win, are you all in? I learned about Scotty Scheffler from you saying to me at one point during the, I think it was the Masters last year, you said, well, I think Scheffler could just go out and shoot like 12 under and just win this thing outright. And I thought to myself, yeah, I'll bet you're right. And then I thought, who's Scheffler? <laughs> who's Scheffler? And, I- <laughs> and you texted that. And I said, he's the number one golfer in the world. And you were like, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. I trust you. <laughs> All right. Number five. Will you tune in if Brooke, if Brooks, Brooke Kepka is in contention? Yeah, but I will be rooting for him not to win. So you'll you, but you will, but that's that's that counts too. Yeah, you I would, would tune in to root against him. him. Yeah, there's okay. a bunch of guys. All the live, he's a live guy, right? He's a live. Unless guy, I'm crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So all the live guys will make me tune in to root <laughs> against them. But yeah, but here's the great thing: Brooks Kepka is one thing because you actually know him. Most of these live guys, you don't even know who they are. Like him and yeah. Phil Mickelson are kind of the only ones. All right. Here are the rest of them, and I will give them to it in, in order, and you tell me, you can stop me at any point to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'd tune in for that guy. Okay. Xander Shoffley, Victor Hovland, Patrick Cantlay, Ricky Fowler, Tommy Fleetwood, Shane Lowry, Colin Morikawa, Jordan Spieth, anyone? Jordan Spieth? Well, Shane Lowry is a relief pitcher for the Twins, so you got that one wrong. <laughs> Jordan, the, the, re- Jordan, the rest of them, no. Jordan, Jordan, not even Jordan Speed, maybe Jordan Speed. I well, he's a live guy too, right? No, 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 not. Oh, totally. he's the uh, he's the opposite of the live guy. Yeah, yeah, he's he's good. Yeah, so he's, okay, I, I would watch him and root for him to win. Dustin Johnson, he's a live guy. Tony Finau, I like Tony. <laughs> I actually like Tony Finau. <laughs> Okay. I don't know why. Okay. I like that guy. I do too. I I like Tony Fino too. I like him. Yeah. And then Matt Fitzpatrick. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick is the quarterback for the uh, back quarterback (laughs) for the Bills. So there you go. So there, there is your, there's your golf buffet. We've, we've hit the golf buffet. This is like, again, not to, not to beat a dead horse here, but this is the problem, right? Is that like, as a very, very casual golf fan, you don't care beyond, beyond casual. I just don't care. My rooting interest is basically, I don't want any of the live guys to be to happy. Win. Not <laughs> only do, yeah, I, it's not just that I don't want them to win. I want them to be in contention and then to Jan Vandeveld themselves <laughs> out of contention every single tournament they play. I want them to be trapped in an eternal recurrence where they have a three-stroke lead going to eighteen and then fail miserably and lose. <laughs> so I would, I will watch. Uh, I pro- that would actually make me watch if one of those live guys was in contention against a non-live guy, against a Jordan Spieth or a Rory McIlroy, I would tune in and root for the live guys to collapse embarrassingly and for the non-live guys to win. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, final buffet stop. We're actually going to go back in the buffet. Ooh. We're going back. We forgot something. We're going back into the baseball buffet because we did not discuss the kind of scary 
beginnings of a collapse of the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, this is bad. <laughs> it's bad, bad, right? Now tell me, is this is this going to go away? They're going to be exciting Reds team again, or is this kind of going to peter out? Okay, just for just so we're uh, we're accurate about this, they are only two games out of absolutely the still over five hundred. Absolutely, yes, they're over five. They're six games over five hundred. Which, if you had said to any Reds fan before the year, "Hey, at the ninety-five game mark, you'll be six games over five hundred and two back," yeah, and two back, any one of them would have taken it. And by the way, the teams below them are Chicago, Pittsburgh, and St. Louis, and no one, none of those teams are going anywhere. I don't no. care. St. Louis is it, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen this year, guys. It's, finally, we've in fact, pack it in. In fact, pack it. Yeah, in, pack right? it in and starts and start selling. <laughs> be the be the Mets and start selling. Uh, however, you know they've lost four in a row, and I think like five out of six, and and they're kind of it's looking they're looking a little shaky and they've started the league has started to figure out Ellie Dela Cruz and which we probably it's probably our fault because we dedicated an entire emergency podcast <laughs> to him last week. You know uh, everybody was listening trying to figure out how do I, you know, what what can I glean from this uh, yeah. podcast. But I I think that the thing to say here is that no one, even the most fervent Reds fan I hope was thinking, yes, this is our year. What they were thinking was we matter again. We are, we, we can see the future here. The team has a lot of promise in a way that it hasn't in, in a decade or more. Uh, and, and things, and the future is bright. So I, I look, they're going to fight for a playoff spot, hopefully, but I don't think anybody really thought like, yeah, they're going to make a deep run in the playoffs. They're not, they're not good enough to do that. Their lineup isn't good enough. Their pitching isn't good enough. No one, there, none, none of, none of the even the the most diehard Reds fans would would have said. I think I'm really excited about the deep playoff run that the, <laughs> the Reds are going to go on. So I think I I think the way to judge this team ultimately will not be by even whether they make the playoffs or not, but like can they can they put together a full season of competitive baseball? Meaning, is this bump in the road that they're experiencing right now going to just completely derail them? Or can they regroup and fight through July and August and come into September with like be within two games of first place or within four games of first place? And can they fight to the end? And are they in it in the last two weeks of the season? That will be to me the way that you judge a successful season or an unsuccessful season. Well, I actually have my own way that I'm going to judge a successful season or not a successful season for the Reds. Okay. So I've been meaning to tell you this. I, I wrote a book. Yeah, and- Baseball 100. No, no, I, I wrote another book, another oh, book. Oh, you did? Oh, what's I did. it about? Um, it's, it's about baseball. I wrote a, another, it's a baseball book. You wrote a second book about baseball. Yeah, it's actually, yeah. It's a, so you've a, now written two whole books about baseball? <laughs> it's, I've written three books about baseball, but you've this is- three books four, about baseball? Four, four books four? about baseball. Yeah, but- oh, Wait, hold, no, hold on a second, hold on a second, hold on a second. <laughs> How long was the Baseball 100? It was 860 pages. It was 860 pages. Yeah, 280,000 words, I think, is what it was, yeah. And so you got to the end of your 860-page book about baseball, and That's you right. decided to write another book, and you said to yourself, what topic should I choose? And the answer was baseball? <laughs> right. No, well, what I thought was, I want to write a book called Why We Love Baseball. So you didn't cover what didn't you cover, loved about baseball in your first 860-page book? No, I, I meant to. I meant to, but then I got to the end, I'm like, Hey man, 
I, I'm going to assume I'm going to assume these books are self-published. <laughs> they're, they're not. They're not they're actually not? self-published. Somebody a publishing company <laughs> paid you to write an 860-page book about baseball, and then you went back to them and said, "Hey, I have an idea for another book. It's about baseball." And they said, "Sure, we'll pay you more money for that." Yeah, book that's as right. Well. No, I went to them and I said, "I'm gonna. I want this book to be called Why uh, We Love Baseball," and they went. Yeah, you didn't cover that in the last book. You didn't cover that in the 280,000. I, I do not understand the publishing industry. But <laughs> anyway, crazy. go ahead. It's a crazy world. So I, the book is called Why We Love Baseball. It is coming out September 5th. And uh, we have put together, by we, I mean not me, I mean the publishing people, have put together uh, a pretty extensive tour uh, that I'm going to be going on. Uh, I believe at last check, it was an 18-city tour over the next uh, few months. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, but only only some of it is at the very beginning. The first week, here we go. First week, September 5th is a Tuesday. I will be in, in New Jersey at Thunder Road Books with Bob Costas. I'm doing an event there. Then I'm going to Newport, Rhode Island uh, to do an event with uh, my good friend Alex Edelman, who is on Broadway right now, me and a Broadway star. Then Wednesday, I'm going to St. Louis for an event with the great Gerald Early, who, by the way, have you seen the new uh, movie about the Negro Leagues that- uh, No, that I have it, not it, seen it yet. It's it's very good. It, it's 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 very good. It's They found footage. I was talking about this with Bob Kendrick. They found footage that I've never seen before from the Negro Leagues. And I, I mean, I kind of feel like there was only so much out there, and There's I kind of feel like I've seen no it all. Almost no footage of the Negro Leagues at all. That's they amazing. They found some really cool sort of wide shot footage of the Negro Leagues. That is, they heck of a job, amazing. Uh, anyway, Gerald is is one of the great voices in that movie, so I, I mentioned him. Gerald Early, uh, one of the one of the truly great minds. He'll be joining me in St. Louis on Thursday, Friday. I am joined by none other than. Michael Shore. Michael Shore oh, himself will be appearing that? in Kansas City with me. Uh, tickets available. Come out and uh, and see us. We don't even know what we're going to talk about, do we? No, I, I assume you are sending a jet for me, or how am I getting there? Well, yes. Well, first of all, yes. Just show up <laughs> at the private airport nearest you. <laughs> <laughs> and, just, and just ask. Just say, hey, where's... My- my yeah. personal appearance fee is is $400,000 an hour. Who do I talk to about making sure that's taken care of? Totally. Listen, put that in an envelope and send it. Uh, <laughs> well, it is, it's definitely going to be taken care of. Send it to uh, Joe's book guy. <laughs> Joe's of book guy. The uh, middle of the Pacific post, Ocean. <laughs> post office box 0000. Um, it's going to be great. Mike and I, we're going we're gonna to talk. And Jason Kander... Uh, asked if we were going to be doing a live podcast in Kansas City when we're there, and I told him I said, either way, we're doing a live podcast. This is this is what we do. This is this is not one thing you one thing you can say about the podcast. It ain't an act. I mean, this is literally nope. when we hang up this podcast, when we end it, we'll keep talking just like this. This whole thing is exactly who we are. Anyway, come on out September eighth, I believe it's that Friday. Uh, but here's the thing: I, I reason I brought this up, not just to promote myself, and and uh, even though you can get tickets, just go to uh, uh, joe and and you can you can get tickets uh, to all of these events. 
Saturday, September 9th, I will be doing an event at Joseph Beth Bookseller with Jeff Garland, uh, which will be a lot of fun. But much more importantly, after it's over, we're all going to the Reds game. So it's Reds versus Cardinals, September 9th, 6.40 p.m. at the ballpark. And that's the Reds have to be in contention when that game is played. That's, that's what right. I'm saying, right? September against the Cardinals too, like who at this point hopefully will sold every good player they have. They'll be playing a bunch of a bunch of call ups. They'll be playing a bunch of scrubs, <laughs> right? Right, yeah. right. and they'll, with a new manager, like everything could just go terribly, terribly wrong with the Cardinals. But the Reds, I need them to be in contention for that game because that's going to be. A, you need a that party. game to matter. You yeah. absolutely need that game to matter. One hundred percent. So, so join us September 9th. We'll be going out to the ballpark. So, yes, I think because that division is so bad and because I don't trust the Brewers and because I kind of think Ellie's going to have another, like a second wind, I think they are going to be in contention in September, I think. I love it. I love the optimism. I want uh, it. To here, here's to hoping. I, I really think... The the we've talked about this before, but the Reds are one of a handful of teams that when they're good, it's so fun. Uh, ma- baseball, the whole sport is more fun. It's the Reds, the Pirates, yep, um, the the Brewers. Like there's a yeah. bunch of teams that when they're good, you're just like, ooh, there's like this interesting <laughs> thing. Like if you in a perfect world, we get all the way to the NLDS, and it's like Reds Astros. <laughs> Think about how fun that would be. Or sorry, not Reds Astros. Reds, Reds, whoever. Reds Dodgers. Like a Reds yeah. Dodgers oh, NLDS would be, be like so fun. Right out of nineteen seventy four, it'd be like yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. It would have a. It would have a feeling of like you know Davy Lopes and <laughs> and like you know <laughs> Dave Concepcion. Dave Concepcion. <laughs> yeah, so that's exactly right. That's like yeah, all of those. And it just been. It's been a long time. And seeing Joey Votto play in the postseason would be so great. Like there's just a million reasons why. The Reds need to hang in there. Yeah, we're going to hang out with Joey Votto on that uh, September 9th game. And we'll find him. Well, he, he doesn't know that yet, but I'm going to find him. And <laughs> we're, say, we're gonna, has anyone told Joey <laughs> Nobody's Votto? told Joey Votto. <laughs> All right. It's time for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. But before we do that, unless it's going to be your meaningless thing, which I don't know that it is or is not, do we have to talk about Immaculate Grid? Do we need to have a conversation about this? Uh, I'm more than happy to. <laughs> Have we not talked about it? We yet? have not talked about the Immaculate Grid. Well, I mean, I can make it my one last thing. <laughs> well, I'm gonna make it. Uh, yeah, sure. Let me make it that my one last meaningless thing. It's one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. We talk about sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, no Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast whoa, it's one last whoa, meaningless thing. It's pretty meaningless. Everyone knows what a Mac in the Grid is at this point. Um, and, you know, it's a nine square grid going down the left side are things like Astros, Dodgers, gold glove across the top is Rangers, Washington nationals, 200 strikeouts in a season. Right. You have to find someone who fits all of the, uh, specific, uh, crosshairs there. 
and uh, it's taken over the world. Everyone I know is doing it. There's Everybody also a cross. There's an NBA crossover grid. There's a football one. The only one that I can ever have a chance at getting is baseball. Like yeah. I don't remember any football players. I don't remember any basketball players who they played for. And it pretty much determines my mood whether I get <laughs> all of them or not. Now, there's I have two problems. Okay, because um, I have to, I have a strategic grid. question to ask you about this. Okay. Should I ask you that first, or do you want to go first? Sure. No, go ahead. Here's my strategic question. So, when you are pretty good fans, like sort of we are, mm -hmm. there is the idea is to come up with the rarest person. Correct that you Correct. can come up with, right? Like the idea is- The rarity score matters. So if it- Right. So the, like the, that, the first uh, box yesterday was Astros Rangers. Immediately I was like, well, Nolan Ryan, right? right. But everyone's gonna guess Nolan Ryan because he's the most famous guy probably who's ever played for both of those teams. So right. then you search and search your memory banks. And then you hit this point where you're like, I'm so sick of trying to think of someone. I just, <laughs> I know Nolan Ryan works. I'm just gonna put him in and move on. Right. But there have been times when I have gotten- like a, a like everyone on the grid under like five percent, yeah. and it's one of the greatest accomplishments. Well, that's of my the thing. Life. I got a nineteen score, which ooh, you know, that's was, good. It was incredible. It was incredible. But it also made me think, and it was it was one where I, I don't like it where there are three teams across the top. I like it where there's where there's um, you know different like Hall of Fame and Gold Glove or something, right? Where it's like. Where they're instead of they're just being teams, there are actual uh, categories. I like those better, but it it's trying to come up with the rare ones. I mean, I was super happy when I did that one, but I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. I think I just want to go. I I want to get it done. Like I wake up every morning and do Immaculate Grid, and I'll spend way too much time and mental energy trying to come up with like the zero point. Like, fortunately, I know how many teams Bip Roberts has played for. So Bip Roberts has been, Bip, <laughs> Bip Roberts, is great. Bip Roberts Bip really, so really <laughs> hits the bill. Yeah. So he's, he's awesome. But like, I think like exactly right. If it's like Rangers and Astros, although I think the year that was Rangers, the, the, re, the Rangers Astros won, wasn't 200 strikeouts also one of them. So I think I put Nolan Ryan in that one. Cause I was just like, I just want to, I just want to get them done because I've also gone super duper rare and missed. And man, yeah, that feeling of getting the it, miss, it hurts. Stinks. It really hurts. Oh. It hurts when you miss. Yeah, no question. Um, my gripes with it are, I, I'm first of all, I'm totally with you because um, I, I'm now at the point with the Mac of the Grid where I just, I just want it to be over. <laughs> want it to be over. <laughs> But my gripes are I've a couple times I have gone, I have clicked. So you, you start typing in the name and then you click and you, uh, if there's a junior who played, <laughs> you sometimes click on the wrong one. Yes. So yes. I, I, there was an Astros one the other day that I remembered uh, and it was Jose Cruz and I click and I clicked on the wrong Jose Cruz oh. and, and it's, and it's like, I I know it's on me. I should I should be more careful. No, but you but wanna, also want to go and you see Jose yeah. Cruz. You're ready to go. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But I, the other thing I want to say is I want to give a shout out to my good friend Mike Stone. So my friend Mike Stone, I went to college with. Mike Stone knows more about dumb baseball players from the 80s and 90s than I do, <laughs> and that, my friends, is saying something. So he sent me 
the other day. So I got my my best rarity score. I think I got a twenty eight one time That's rarity great. score. I was very very proud of that. So Mike Stone sent me a, a a screenshot of his grid. So so going down the left side, this was when it was Braves Reds Hall of Fame. Okay. And across the top is Pirates Blue Jays three hundred season as right. a batter. Okay. So here's what he did, and I just want to read this into the record. Uh, and by the way, he is a Braves fan, so he had a he. Obviously, you have a you have a huge, huge advantage if it's your team. advantage huge. when it's your yes. team. Yeah. So Braves, Pirates, Omar Moreno, 02 <laughs> percent. Braves, Blue Jays, Jim Acker, 02 percent. Oh. Three hundred season for the Braves, Bob Horner, 01 percent. <laughs> Red I didn't know Pirates. Bob Horner hit 300 in a season. <laughs> Apparently, Mike Stone did. Uh, Reds Pirates, Gary Reedus, 0.4%. I, I could get that one. Mm-hmm. Reds Blue Jays, Juan Guzman, 0.6%. <laughs> okay. Reds 300 season, Reggie Sanders, 0.1%. Oh, I did not remember the Reggie Sanders. Yeah. Reggie Sanders I have used many times, but I didn't remember that he hit 300. <laughs> Hall of Fame Pirates, Bill Mazeroski, 6%. Hall of Fame Blue Jays, Jack Morris, 3%. Hall of Fame and 300 season batting, Harold Baines, 0.6%. Oh, that is a masterwork. That, that is, is a, a Sistine master. Chapel. Yeah. And and he sent that to me, and I I really, I've never been prouder of him in my entire life. The only, uh, the only comment I want to make on that, because I remember doing that one and getting a pretty good score. I don't think it, it wasn't that level. I, I put somebody in for the Pirates. I... Willie Stargell or somebody like I was like going out, go old school. Right. And, you know, and as soon as I put it in, I was like, oh, Archie Vaughn, man. Archie Vaughn. That's a 0.1%. That is, that okay. is, that is bottom. That is. So bad. for the record, I put in pie trainer. Oh, that's great point, too. And, and it was, it was 0.8%. <laughs> and I was very proud of that. And by the way, for 300 season in hall of fame, I was like, who can I think of who, who no one has guessed and the answer was Joe Medwick. <laughs> and Joe Medwick was 0.03%. Yes! It's the rarest one I've ever gotten. Ducky. I also, by the way, I Ducky, I also did a, I did a very good job. I was immaculate on that one. And I, and I had sent him mine, which is what prompted him to send me his. I put in Terry Mulholland for Pirates Braves, which Ooh, I was pretty proud of. That's a good one. I put in Reggie Sanders for Reds. Pirates. Okay. Um, I put in Hank Aaron for Braves 300 season because I figured not many people would put him in as a 300 hitter. What did he get? What um, was the percentage on him? Uh, he was a uh, 6%, it looks like. It's, okay. I'm trying to look at it. Yeah. Um, and I had Jack Morris for um, whatever it was, Hall of Fame and Blue Jays. So we had we both had Jack Morris. So I, I was very proud of Pie Trainer and Ducky Medwick, <laughs> but then Mike Stone just blew me out of the water. Archie Vaughn, too. Um I have a question for you. Actually, I don't know this because I've never had the guts to to put it in. When they say Atlanta Braves, does it have to be Atlanta Braves or can it be Milwaukee Braves? I, I believe it's franchise because recently, the one I think yesterday was the Nationals and I was like racking my brain and then only too late. And I made a bunch of guesses. It was like, it was gold glovers for the Nationals. And I was like, who the hell is one a gold glove for the Nationals? And I guessed someone and I guess, it was my last guess and I guessed it wrong. I think I guessed that um 
that uh, Trey Turner or, or maybe yeah. Harper or someone had won and they hadn't. And then I look, you know, now the B-Ref, Baseball Reference, owns it. You can click, you can scroll down and click on it, and it tells you all of the possible guesses for all of the categories. And they had Expos. They were all Expos. Yeah. And I was like, God yeah. damn it. Like I, <laughs> and I, and like, again, on me, like I didn't read the rules or I forgot the rules that it goes back, but they well, were I wonder, all I've Expos. always been too afraid to type in an old, yeah. an old player, but I will now and give it a shot. All right, that's excellent. Uh, my one last, last meaningless thing is it just a, an observation. Um, and it, it was, I was watching, I think it was during tennis, and, and this just hit me, and I'm just curious what the answer to this question is. Why do they draw faces on crash test uh, dummies for cars? <laughs> <laughs> like, wh- why? Why do, they, why do they do that? You know what? I have a guess. I have an actual guess. Oh, I want to hear it. My actual guess would be that the whole point is to gauge damage that's done to the dummy uh, it, when it when it like you know crashes and and it comes into contact with the airbag or with the steering wheel or whatever. And right. by drawing a face on roughly where the where the facial features would be, they could say, "Oh, the bridge of the nose here yeah, and the they, cheekbone would, would here." Would they be able to say that without the actual face? To- totally, but I, maybe it just helps them like pinpoint if they if they're the answer is probably just because because why not because it's a human shaped object. But if there's any answer, I'll bet it has something to do with trying to pinpoint the exact sort of like impact points. And if they do the you know an average width of the eyes and an average distance of the jawline, but they or don't. To the but they don't. I mean, what I have seen from Crash Test Dummies is like two dots for the eyes and like a dot for the nose and like a little. Oh. Smiley well, face. It feels. I. I think. I, I'm not a an expert on the subject, but it appears to me that they were just like, well, we're sending this 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 dummy into a nasty car accident. Let's just give him a face. Let's just put a face yeah. on him, and and that way he can see the uh, the damage that's about to happen. I don't know. It just it, it just struck me as like that that whoever's job that is to do that. That person goes home at night and goes, I don't understand my job. That's a weird job. No question. <laughs> yeah, job. the answer is probably there is no reason. They're probably, they're probably but, just like, eh, why not? Yeah. We'll just do it. All right, we did it. We went through the buffet. We'll see how people... Deli- that was a delicious It was a delicious buffet. Do you think people we are going to like the buffet or do you think people are going to be like, stop doing the buffet? It, it's funny to think that that the buffet is any in any meaningful way different from what we usually <laughs> no, do. No, it's not. We just we just gave it a name. It's exactly the same thing that we always do. By the way, last week, for those of you who listened, uh, Mike and I did one of our proudest stupid things we've ever done where we came up with the uh, baseball presidential cabinet. Yeah. And and a guy text I like didn't text me, he emailed me. A guy emailed me and said this was and, and he was completely serious. This was so stupid. Like even yeah. even by your standards, this was unbelievably stupid. You guys don't even understand what those jobs are that 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 are in the cabinet. Correct. And the, the things that you did. And I just thought to myself, first of all, totally right, one hundred percent correct. Mm-hmm. Second, yeah. I thought if you're uh, parsing the logic of this 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 podcast might not be for you it just might be just yeah, it, it might maybe. like hey all aboard we we love everybody feel free to send us the the you know the your critiques but it's probably not for you if you're there's a lot seriously. of podcasts where smart people who know what they're talking about discuss those subjects 
This is not one of those. Podcasts. Not one of them. I will say this. I will say one thing before we wrap up, which is someone made me the good point that the Department of Homeland Security should have been a catcher because that person is guarding um, home. Sure. So that I can't remember who it was now. It might have been my same friend, Mike Stone. And <laughs> he was saying it should be, you know, Adley Rutschman or whoever, whoever's the best defensive catcher, you know, Connor Wong. Should, I, be, should be Connor Wong. Uh, I also and I think heard, I think that was I think that was a mistake. I think we should have. Uh, we heard I heard from numerous people saying completely screwed up by not making Bobby Bonilla the Secretary of Commerce. Like it was like oh. a, which is that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Again, yeah. again, if you're parsing, might not be for you. That's all I'm might saying. Might not be for you. Yeah. <laughs> If you if you're if you're legitimately upset by what we did, then I urge you to, <laughs> to look at your find, life and and just just consider the choices people, that you've made. Just, yes, <laughs> find smarter people. They're out there. They're all out there. All right, Mike. As always, thank you. Thanks for having me. Podcast.